It's great to see you today. I'm so thankful for everybody who's here in the room and for those of you who are watching online. And, and I just want to start today with a quick question and it's time for confession, right? Okay, so this is confession time this morning. How many of you will confess that you have taken a selfie? Just raise your hand. If you, yeah, I see that. And I see some of you maybe not aren't quite as honest as maybe you. How many of you will confess that not only have you taken a selfie, but you've taken a selfie sometime this week? How many of you will confess? Yeah, you've taken a good job. You've taken a selfie sometime this week. Okay, some of you maybe sitting over on this side would confess that I've even taken a selfie sometime this morning. Have you taken a selfie, a little Snapchat maybe this morning? Anybody taken a selfie sometime this morning? Yeah, selfies are a thing these days. I don't know if you know about those or not. Surely you do, clearly, because there was a bunch of people who raised their hands. Those of you who are watching on the line, maybe this right now would be a good time to take a selfie. I think it would be. So here's what I'd like you to do. Everybody, if you want to, take out your phones. Those of you who are watching online, take out your phones right where you are. This is a good moment to take a selfie. You can include the whole crowd that's here. You can include the crowd that you're watching with, or if it's just you on your own and you're sitting there eating Cheetos, watching a worship service at the same time, that's awesome. I wish I had some, so you can send them my way. But uh, just take a picture, snap a, a selfie of yourself. And then maybe post that to your favorite social media channel and put the hashtag gospel adventure on that because today's a selfie day for us. So just take a, take a selfie of yourself, snap a picture, put it on your favorite social media channel and then tag it with hashtag gospel adventure because this is just one of those days for a selfie today. And here's the reason why today is a good day for a selfie. Because the real question I want to ask based on the passage of scripture that we're about to read, the real question I want to ask is what do you see when you see a selfie. More specifically, what do you see when you see your selfie? You see, that's the question I want to ask today. You see, because this week I took a selfie. I was at the Owasso Gathering on Main, and I took this picture. This is my selfie that I took at the Owasso Gathering on Main. Um, look, I'm kind of transparent. Oh, there we go. A little ghostly. I'm still a little ghostly. That's very nice. Um, I'm going to step back this way. Now I can see myself looking at myself. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that what selfies are about? You can see yourself looking at yourself. There I am uh, at the Owasso Gathering on Main. I like to title this picture the ever-receding forehead, or excuse me, the ever-growing forehead. Uh, Ray Adcock doesn't call it a forehead, he calls it a five head. I think actually what's happening is that there's a battle going on between my eyebrows and my hairline, and I think the eyebrows are winning, I think is actually what's going on there. And then uh, last Christmas time, I took a selfie with you guys. At Christmas time, it looked like this. Yeah, um, that was during our Christmas program, a Christmas carol. I took, I took that, that selfie. And then uh, a couple of years ago, I was invited to work behind the scenes for an HBO special that was filmed in Tulsa, and they needed a headshot of me. And so this was my HBO special headshot. That's my I'm famous all over the world and in some cities headshot is what that is. So I've got that selfie, and you know, I see things when I see my selfies like that, and you can see that too, but, uh, um, and then there's this last selfie, this is me with my family, we were on the beach together, it was earlier this year, my son, one of my sons marched in the Rose Parade, and that was exciting, so he's not in that picture, but we're just being weird and silly together, and it's fun to take pictures like that with your friends and your family, and just being silly like that, and so you guys have taken selfies like that before, most everybody has, and if you haven't, you've seen someone who's taken a selfie, so let's just go back to that question. What do you see when you see your selfie? You see, I know some people, whether it's a selfie or just a look in the mirror, whether it's a selfie or just a look in the mirror, what they see in themselves, they just don't really like, right? 
See what you see of each other on social media. That's more of the, it's more of the, the highlights reel of our life, right? It's not the behind the scenes footage. The highlights reel always looks awesome. That's when you see the football players catching all the plays and making, you know, making all the touchdowns and all the tackles. Those are the highlights reels that are fun to watch. But you don't see the behind the scenes footage of the, of the catch that they didn't make and the tackle that they missed that caused the other team to win the game. You don't see those things. That's what social media is like for us, isn't it? We see all of the stuff that's the highlights reel of, of each other's lives and what we really don't see are the behind the scenes footage. And so you've seen with my selfies some of my highlights reel. And I know people who when they look in the mirror or when they look at their own selfie, I know what the world may think they see and the, the image that you may be trying to project but what do you see when you see your selfie? Because some people I know when they look in the mirror, all they see is fat. And all they see is ugly. And all they see is stupid. And all they see is failure. And all they see is every hurt, every habit, every scar, every wound, every moment of their life that's been less than what they expected. And when they see their selfie or when they see themselves in the mirror, and you may be this person, when you see yourself in the mirror, that may be exactly what you see. All you see are the wounds and the, and the damage that you've experienced throughout all of your life. Now, there's some other people who are kind of totally the opposite of that. When they look at themselves in the mirror, they think of, oh, here I am, I'm God's gift to whatever. <laughs> I thought I was conceited till I found out I was perfect. Man, don't I look good today? You know, that's, I, I know some people see that image of themselves as well. And today from God's word, we're gonna see some things that I think are really relevant to what you see when you see your selfie. And beyond that, how you see yourself or how you see your selfie it really influences how you see everyone else, including Jesus. And so today I'd like to invite you to, learn, to, to turn to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 is the passage of scripture we're going to be in. And we're going to see the, the life of a man who when he looked, if he had a selfie to take or if he had a mirror to look into, if he had the ability to see at all. Catch that. If he had the ability to see at all, all he would see is failure. Yet somehow, some way, Jesus shows up into his life and everything changes. <laughs> what do you see when you see your selfie? You see, we have this practice here when we read scripture. We like to stand during the context of worship. We like to stand together out of honor for reading God's word. So I want to invite you to do that right where you are. Stand out of honor for the reading of God's word. And if you're watching online, I want to invite you to stand up with us as well because you're participating in this wherever you may be. So stand as we read God's word. And whether you're watching it on your screen or on your phone or you're, you're using your device in the room or you've got a paper copy of God's word, let's look at Luke chapter 18. That's where we're going to be today. Luke chapter 18, we're going to begin in verse 35. And as we begin in verse 35, I just want you to ask that question about the characters inside this story. What do you think these people saw in themselves and in others when they saw their selfies? Luke chapter 18, verse 35. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. Now, just to be clear, the he is Jesus. Jesus is walking from from Jericho to Jerusalem. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. 
They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks so much. Everyone everywhere can be seated in this moment. Thank you so much for reading that. What do you see when you see your selfie? We see this story. This man is later identified in another one of the Gospels as Bartimaeus. He's a blind man. And he's, he's seeking after God in this moment because the moment allows him to do that. Jesus is walking by. Jesus is walking by from Jericho on this road that connects Jericho to Jerusalem. It's interesting to see the way time works and the way space works. It's a really tight, confined place. Jericho and Jerusalem just aren't that far apart. But here Jesus is. He's walking from Jericho to Jerusalem. And Jesus, in this moment, he's on his way to Jerusalem for his very last time. The next thing that happens in the life of Jesus is Jesus walks into Jericho during that triumphant entry where everyone's celebrating, we believe that you're something, Jesus, and we're excited about who you are and we're excited about what comes next, Jesus. And then he has this remarkable week where he goes before the people and he goes before the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and he teaches all these incredible things and he does some amazing miracles and he makes these incredible statements. And then by the end of the week, Judas has betrayed him. And by the end of the week, he stood trial multiple times in the middle of the night. By the end of the week, he's been beaten and he's been abused. And this crown of thorns has been placed on his head. And he's drug out in front of the entire city, outside the gates of the city, and laying on a, a criminal's cross, even though he was completely innocent. And Nails were driven into his hands and his feet, and he was hung to die, a criminal's death, the death that you and I deserved because of our sin, the death that this blind beggar deserved because of his own sin, the death that this crowd deserved because of their own sin. Jesus is led out by the end of this week to die a sinner's death, even though he wasn't one. And then just a few days later, He proves exactly that he was who he said he was, that he was the spotless, sinless Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world and he rises from the dead to prove that he is Messiah, the Son of God, the one who came to save his people from their sins. This is the week that Jesus is about to have and he knows it. And he's walking along this road from Jericho to Jerusalem. And you see the the story of what happened. The crowds following And and there's this blind beggar seated on the side of the road. And this blind beggar begins to shout out, Jesus, stop, Jesus, stop, Jesus, stop, Jesus, I need your help. Help me, Jesus, help me. And the crowd tells the beggar to be quiet. You should shut up for a minute. Just be quiet. Please don't do that. And I know some of you shut up is a bad word. I'm sorry. Um, uh, Forgive me. I'm going to say it one more time. He says, shut up. (laughs) And and the the crowd says that to him. and And he doesn't. He just keeps shouting out, Jesus, I need you to see me because I can't see anything. And Jesus stops right there next to him. 
And it, it just reminds me of what I think we need to be thinking as believers, especially in light of what do you see when you see your selfie. You see, we've been in this series all year long that we've called The Gospel Adventure. And we've titled it Platform 936 for this year because of what Matthew 936 says. You've already heard Susan, our preschool minister, you've already heard her quote it today that when Jesus saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And as believers in Jesus Christ, God has placed you into this world as a believer to know him and to make him known, to be the one who shares the good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross and he rose from the dead and he did all of that so that you could be forgiven, so that we could have, it's really even better than forgiveness, it's so that we can have this right, intimate, personal relationship with the God of the universe. And he's made that way possible for you through his death on the cross. We get to be the ones who carry that message into a lost and dying world. We get to do that. You get to, of all the plans that God could have had to share his love for people, of all the ways and all the possibilities of how he could have done it, he chose you. He chose you. He chose each and every one of us to share that. And so when I ask that question, what do you see when you see your selfie? I don't know if you see positive things or if you see negative things, but if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, seeing yourself as a contagious carrier of the gospel is non-negotiable. That's who we are. That's what we do. That's what God, that's one of the many reasons God has called us and drawn us to himself and saved us and made, him, made us one of his own so that we could be the people that brings salt and light and words of life and words of peace into any situation that we show up in. In this passage, we see some very clear things about your platform. You see, we've said that we all have this platform. The platform that we stand on, I'm standing on a platform right now. It's holding me up and it's the place where you can hear what I have to say and you can see the nature of my life and my teaching. But every one of us has a platform that you stand on. The platform that you stand on, well, it's the principles that you cling to. That's what your platform is. It's the, it's the characteristics that define the quality of who you are. The platform that you stand on, is, are, it's the plan that you intend to follow. That, that's the plan. And if you think about it, in this political season, every political party has a platform on which they stand. You know, we stand for this or we stand for that. And this is why you should vote for me and instead of voting for her or for him or for whatever. They've got this plan that they intend to follow and the principles on which they stand. But your platform... Well, it's also your place of greatest influence. It's also your place of greatest... And every one of us has a platform. Some of us have a platform that's very public. Right now, I'm in a very public platform. There's people who are watching online. I'm so grateful that you are. There's people who are watching in this room, and I'm so thankful that you've not fallen asleep yet or thrown a tomato at me yet. So thank you. I appreciate that encouragement. That's a good thing. But... Uh, but we all have this platform of influence, and sometimes that platform of influence is, is louder or larger than someone else's. I was watching TV the other day, and LeBron James is talking about, I have this platform as a professional basketball player, and so here's how I'm going to use it. So today and for the next several weeks in this series we've called The Gospel Adventure, we're going to see a number of people whose lives were transformed, who were radically transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they then began to use the platform that God gave them in order to share that love of Jesus, in order to share that good news and that gospel with other people. And so, what do you see when you see your selfie? 
do you see the platform that you have? Or do you see something else? Maybe you're not a believer yet. Maybe you're not sure about all of these things that have to do with religion or with church or with Christianity or the Bible. Guess what? You have a platform too. And guess what? God has a plan for you too. And out of this passage, there's several things that I want us to see that I think are critical for us as we think about our platform. And here's the first one. The first one's really simple. Your platform begins when you see you the way God sees you. Your platform begins when you see you the way God sees you. And it's like I said at the very beginning, there are some of us who think way too highly of ourselves and there are some of us who think way too lowly of ourselves and the value that we have is based on what other people think or the value we have in ourselves is based on how much money we make or, or our position in life or our position of prominence or the popularity that we have or the power that we have. And, and God looks to each and every one of us and says, oh, no, 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 I don't see you the way man sees you. And I don't see you the way maybe even you see you. I see you so much better than that. I see you so much deeper than that. I see you so much different than that. I don't see as man sees. You remember this from our just, just the series we had on David. I look at the heart while, while man looks at the outward appearance. Your platform begins when you see you the way God sees you. Well, how does God see you? It's not a cliche for me to say, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. If all you see in the mirror or in your selfies is, are your fears and your faults and your failures, well, you need to stop looking through your own eyes and you need to start looking through the eyes of Jesus. Uh, one of my sons has gotten really interested in collecting coins. And so he's been all over the house looking for coins. And somewhere in this process, he's figured out that the value of some nickels is not five cents. Some nickels are worth a lot more than that. And you know what makes them really, really valuable? What makes them really, really valuable is that, well, some of them, it's not just that they're not worth their face value of just five cents. They're actually worth more than five cents than, than, than the materials that have been used to make, make them. And, and the reason why they're worth so much is because of where they were made and when. And the reason they're worth so much is because they're completely and totally unique compared to so many other nickels that are out there. You know, my dad used to say, I wouldn't give a plug nickel for that. I still don't know what a plug nickel is. But he would say that, and, and now, now there are these nickels that are not worth a nickel anymore. There are nickels that are worth $10,000 and $15,000 and $20,000 if you can just find them because of where they were made and who made them and because of they're completely unique. And then they're valuable because someone, somewhere, is willing to give far more than a nickel for them. They're willing to pay $3,000, $5,000, $10,000 for these nickels. If you can just find the right coin that's, that was made in the right place by the right person, that was un completely unique, and, and, and the person who's willing to pay for it. Think about that in the context of your own life. You were made by God. You were made to be completely unique in all of time and space. There will never, ever be another one like you. <laughs> and God made you just like that. Receding forehead and all. <laughs> or hairline, receding hairline and all. That's right. You are completely unique. And as far as the price that's been paid for you, <laughs> you were bought at a price. 
Isn't that what Scripture says? What was that price? Jesus Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, He laid down His life for you on the cross at Calvary. He died to purchase your sin debt so that you don't have to, have to suffer the penalty and the consequences, the eternal, the eternal consequences of your sin debt. You don't have to suffer that anymore because you've been bought with a price. You are exceptionally, exceedingly precious in the sight of God. Your platform begins when you can see you when you begin to see you the way that God sees you. And in this passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 18, just notice what happened with Jesus and this blind beggar. With Jesus and this blind beggar, in the eyes of Jesus, this blind beggar was worth stopping for. He was worth listening to. He was worth caring for. He was worth dying for. That's where Jesus was going, right? He was on this huge mission to go save the world. And he stops for a blind beggar. And I don't know how you see you today. When you look in the mirror and you look at yourself and you're throwing up the highlight reel of your life. I don't know how you see you, but I can tell you this. When Jesus sees you, and he sees you right now, you're worth stopping for. You're worth listening to. You're worth caring for. You're worth dying for. And I know this because he's done it for you. You see that platform, our place of greatest influence, the principles on which we stand, the plan that we intend to follow, that platform that God has given you begins when you see the way that Jesus Christ can transform whatever you think of as your fears, faults, and failures or your hurts, your habits, and your hang-ups. It begins when you realize the way Jesus Christ has and can or will transform your life by his mercy, by his grace, and by his loving kindness. Your platform begins when you see you the way God sees you. Your platform grows when you begin to see people the way God sees people. Your platform grows when you begin to see people the way God sees people. Let's look back at that passage one more time. And just let's see what happens inside that passage. Verse 35, as Jesus drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging and hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him Jesus of Nazareth is passing by and he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him telling him to be silent. (laughs) This crowd didn't see anything in this blind beggar but a blind beggar. This crowd saw a man who was worthless. This crowd saw a man who wasn't worth the time of day. Your platform grows when you begin to see people the way God sees people. How did Jesus see this man? We saw him as someone we're stopping for, listening to, caring for, dying for. It's, it's just one of the most remarkable things about the way Jesus thinks about people and thinks about you. Jesus was on the path from Jericho to Jerusalem to save all humanity, the most significant act to take place in the history of everything. Jesus was on his way to do that because that was his mission. And in this moment, he stopped. And he stopped because what he saw in this blind beggar wasn't simply a blind beggar, what he saw was the man who was his mission. 
You see that? He stopped because it wasn't simply the cross that was his mission. This one man, this blind beggar, was his mission. And had he not stopped, Jesus would have missed it. He knew that, right? Because Jesus earlier tells us, I'm only going to do the things I see my father doing, and I'm only going to say the things I hear my father saying. And in this moment, he was saying, I want you to see beyond this man's blindness. And I want you to see beyond this man's economic value to himself and to his family. I want you to see bigger than that. Besides that, I've put this man in your path. Jesus, I put this, God says, I put this man in your path. And, and so I need you to stop for him and pay attention to him. I've put this man, this man has caught your attention and he's in your path. And so when I think about your platform and I think about mine, where is your platform? Where does that happen? Where is your place of greatest influence? Well, who's been entrusted to you? Who's been entrusted to you? It's the people who are in your path, Right? It's the people who are in your, tomorrow morning, in spite of COVID, tomorrow morning, many of us are going to get up and go to work in an office somewhere. And, and you think of all the people that you work with as just the people that you work with. But can I tell you that everyone that you work with was divinely appointed to be right in the middle of where you are because you're the believer in that place. And so God's put those people in your path specifically so that you can be the one who brings salt and light into your workplace. And on your baseball team, and on your football team, and in your band, and all those different places that you go for fun, the people that God puts in your path are the people that God has entrusted to you to be the bearer of good news, to be the bringer of salvation to those who would sit and listen and hear. And so everywhere you go, there are people in your path that God has entrusted to you and to you alone. I'll never be on the ball field like you are. I'll never be in the work, in your workplace like you are. Pastor Chris will never be in the same spaces and places that you are. But God sent you there as a missionary, as the one he's entrusted his message of the gospel with to share with a lost and a dying world. And we've got to, it begins when we see ourselves the way God sees us and it grows as we see people the way God sees people. I have a friend named Mike Henry and I love what Mike Henry does. He has such a passion for sharing the gospel in the workplace. And I know when I say things like we ought to share the gospel in the workplace or when I say things we ought to be salt and light on our ball teams or on the ball field, when I say things like that, I know that some of us go, well, I'm just not a gifted evangelist. I don't know what to do or I don't know what to say, or I'm, I'm not the guy who's going to stand up on a platform and preach like you are, Chad. And I got to tell you, that's okay. It's okay. God doesn't expect you to be me. Remember, God made you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made, and you're completely unique from me and completely unique from any other preacher you've ever heard. And he's put you in that place not to be me. He's put you in that place not to be the Apostle Paul. He's put you in that workspace. He's put you on that team. He's put you in that space, wherever it may be in your family, not to be someone else. He's put you there to be you, sharing the story of the gospel and how it's transformed your life. To be the one who would pray for people. To be the one who would serve people. To be the one who would express appreciation for people. To be the one who's filled to the full with the fruits of the Spirit so that you can serve the fruits of the Spirit to everyone around you. And they can be completely intrigued by, why are you not trying to ride this ladder up to the top? Why are you not stepping on others in order to be successful? Why is it that even in the worst of circumstances, you seem to have the best of attitudes? Why is that? Well, let me tell you why. 
This man made Jesus. He's transformed my life. What Mike Henry is doing in workplace ministry is remarkable because I know many of us are going to go, I just don't know how to do that. I don't even know where to start. Well, guess what? Mike does. On July 19th, he's going to begin something uh, that we've done several times here called a workplace mission trip. You could go to Marketplace. Uh, marketplacemissiontrip.com. You could go to that website. You could find out more about it. You could sign up to be a part of it. Marketplacemissiontrip.com. That mission trip begins July 19th. And if you're thinking to yourself right now, I am wholly unequipped. I have no idea what to do or what to say or how to say it. Uh, then you could jump into a mission trip just like that. And from, from the very beginning, ground zero, all the way through, you can walk step by step through that process of discovering and learning what it means to be on mission wherever you go, wherever you are, however you're shaped, and whatever you think you're capable of, you can learn all of that through that marketplace mission trip. I would encourage you to go and be a part of that, to jump into that and do that. There are people that God has put in your path, and those are the ones that he's entrusted to you. There's also people that God's put on your mind. He's put on your heart. And it actually is one of the things that I appreciate the most about social media. Say what you will about social media. It's just one of those things that, that it comes with all of the good and all of the bad of humanity, right? But one of the things that I love the most about social media is it increases the horizon of my sight lines. It increases the horizon of my friendships. I've been able to connect online with people from my past, people I went to grade school with, people I went to high school with, people who, who live in other towns and I haven't seen since college. I've been able to connect with them online and periodically updates about their life and things that are going on in their lives show up in my timeline or they show up in, in the form of a picture, an Instagram or something like that and they come across my mind and they enter my heart and now I have this opportunity to just pray for them. Can you see people the way God sees people? And maybe in that moment that someone, that God brings someone to your mind across, maybe instead of thinking, how can I, who can I argue with on Facebook today? Instead of thinking, what argument can I go out and win in my mind, but not win anywhere else? Who can I, how can I do that on social media today? Instead of that, what if every name that showed up in your timeline was someone that you just, you just breathed the breath of prayer for? Hey God, I hope, you'll, I hope you'll connect with them today. Put someone in their life who can love them. Put someone in their life who can show them patience. So put someone in their life who can show them kindness. Put someone in their life that can help them see themselves the way you see them. And then maybe it's as simple as a text message or a, or a private message, a direct message that you send to someone. Say, hey, we haven't seen each other since the third grade, but you came up in my timeline. And so here's how I prayed for you today. So cool to reconnect. Thanks. So many ways. You can use your platform and your influence to reach people. And your platform begins when you see you the way God sees you, and it grows when you see people the way God sees people. There's this thing that I hope for, for our church. And in this season, in the life of our nation and the life of our world, there is such tension politically, and there's such tension ethnically and culturally, and there's such tension between those who have and those who apparently have not. And I wonder if you can see people the way God sees people. I remember my dad telling stories about the very first television that he had because he was that generation that started with the radio and then the television showed up. And I always thought it was funny because he said, my first TV was about the size of a small Volkswagen <laughs> and, the, and the screen was about 13 inches, right? So you've got this little 13-inch screen on this device, this console that's the size of a Volkswagen. And his whole job was to be the guy that would either switch the channels between the massive number of channels, three, ABC, NBC, and CBS that they had. So his job was to 
change the channel. And his job was to be the antenna. Because you'd have to put the rabbit ears up, the antenna up, in order to be able to receive things. And he had to stand just the right way. And with every channel, he had to stand a different way just so that they could see this monochrome image on this 13-inch screen built into a console that was the size of a small Volkswagen. Can you imagine what our world would be like today if we still viewed television in a monochrome color? Well, what isn't that? That's the absence of color, isn't it? Monochrome. I think television companies, they take great delight, right? They take great delight in saying, our colors are vibrant. We've got contrast and we've got color and there's, they're deep and they're rich. And the reason why you should buy this TV is because it looks better than all the others because of all the high contrast between this color and that color. Between, between, between these, these looks and that looks. Between this brightness and... And all of these things, and our, our screen is just the right size for you to be able to see everything clearly. You know what I hope for in the life of this church right now? Misael Gonzalez is standing in the pulpit at our Calvary campus. And I hope you get to know Misael. His heart for you, his heart for this community, his heart for God is incredible. You will be blessed in every conversation you have with Misael. And I hope in the middle of those conversations, I absolutely hope that we see each other's color because it is in God's design for that beautiful diversity of cultures and colors and life. It's in his design for us to be fearfully, wonderfully, and uniquely made. And this ought to be the place where regardless of culture or color, regardless of political persuasion, we ought to be able to sit comfortably as Democrats and Republicans in this room. We ought to be able to sit comfortably as those who, have, who grew up in this kind of culture and others who grew up in this other kind of culture. We ought to be able to sit comfortably in this room. Those who are rich, and those who are poor, those who have a lot and those who don't, those who know a lot and those who just don't know anything. This ought to be the place. We ought to be the people where that conversation happens and happens with grace and happens with mercy and with kindness and respect. Because you know what that's a picture of? In, in 1 Corinthians, it's one of the things that was so remarkable about the Corinthian church was that rich people and poor people, smart people and ignorant people and people of all persuasions of background, religiously and otherwise and all colors, they were coming together to share the Lord's Supper together. They were coming together to worship together. And the world, the outside world, looking into that church went, this should not possibly work. How can this work? Y'all shouldn't even like each other. You're so politically opposed to one another. How can you possibly worship together? And what a beautiful platform the Corinthian church had because they were able to say, yeah, we don't agree on these things, but you know what we do agree on? Jesus Christ died on the cross and he rose from the dead. And because of that, all of my worst, all the worst things I've ever done on the worst day of my life, all those things have been forgiven. And you know what? This guy who is politically opposed to me, who is culturally different from me, this guy right here, he did that for him too. And this one that's really educated and this one that's really not educated, guess what? He did that for, he did that for him too. <laughs> and you know what? He can do it for you. This ought to be the place where great godly conversations about how we bring these tensions together, this ought to be the place where it happens. Because <laughs> we're the ones. We're the ones that have the spirit of Jesus Christ in us, moving through us, and sometimes even moving in spite of us. Your platform begins when you see you the way God sees you. Your platform 
grows when you see people the way God sees people. And then just the last idea is that your platform, your platform is the way that people see God in you. That's the way it happens. Look at the last part of that verse. Luke chapter 18. The last part of that verse, let's look in verse 42. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. Verse 43. And immediately he he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Your platform is the way people see God in you. Do you think there was a time when this man talked about Jesus that he didn't talk about that moment that he was blind and now he can see? Do you think what he told him was the story of how he was a beggar? I didn't have nothing. I didn't have anything. I wasn't very much. Nobody liked me. No, he talked about the transformation that Jesus Christ brought in his life. And because of that transformation, what people saw in him was Jesus when he talked. He could very comfortably look at anybody and say, you know, I don't know what you think about religion and you may or may not be Jewish and you may or may not go to temple or tabernacle. There's these letters that are being written. I don't know if you've read any of these letters that later becomes the Bible. He could say all of those things about, I don't know what you believe about any of this, but here's the thing I do know for sure. I once was blind, but now I see. I don't know what you think about Jesus. You may think that he was just some crazy prophet preaching. You may think he was a charlatan. You may think all of these things. But I met Jesus on this road. He was on the way to do something pretty remarkable. And he stopped for me. And he listened to me. And he cared for me. And you know what? I believe he died on the cross for me. And you know why I believe that? (laughs) Because I once was blind. But now I see. Your platform is the place where people see God in you. There's this remarkable story in Matthew chapter 17 where Jesus and the, and the disciples are at the bottom of this mountain and Jesus picks Peter, James, and John and they go up to the top of the mountain and while they're there, Jesus does something pretty remarkable with, with Peter, James, and John. He actually lets them see the godliness and the holiness of who he is without his humanity getting in the way. And it's, it's called the Mount of Transfiguration. And in this moment, um, some friends show up. Moses and Elijah show up to have this conversation with Jesus. And Keith Davis always says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Well, if these are Jesus's friends, Peter and James and John are looking and going, Jesus, you got quite the future ahead of you. This is pretty amazing. And, and being the humans that they are, being the humanity that they are, they fall to their knees and, and they want to worship him. And, and as they want, you know, Peter's excited. He's the one who's always putting his foot in his mouth. And he's saying, Jesus, these three guys are awesome. Or these two guys are awesome. You're standing here with them. We should build some tabernacles. We should do something about this. Let's celebrate this somehow. And, and then God speaks. God speaks and he says, this is my beloved son. Hear him. And it's thunderous and it's loud and it causes Peter, James, and John to fall to their knees. And it's one of my favorite verses in scripture. And I believe it is the purest, most accurate definition of worship you will ever hear. But in Matthew 17, verse 8, it says, And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Isn't that a beautiful picture? When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. I wonder if you can have a life like that. The kind of life that causes people to see Jesus in you. 
because you see you the way God sees you, because you see people the way God sees people, because you recognize this incredible platform that God's given to you is an opportunity. It's the place where you have this moment where you can share the goodness and the graciousness and the love and the, and the glory of who God is. And as you live your life, as you pray for people, as you interact with people, as you share the fruit of the Spirit with one another, as you just simply open up your mouth and say, I was blind. I know what my life used to be, but I was blind and now I see. In that moment, when people lift up their eyes and look at you, they see no one but Jesus only. I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Some of us haven't begun that process yet. You've not been, you've not been in that place where you would place your faith in Jesus Christ. And so we're just going to take a moment to pray. And for those of you who are believers, I'm going to ask you to pray that God would do something miraculous in the hearts of people in this room and online right now. That God would move in a way that those who are lost that those who are blind, that they would see. That those who have yet to place their faith in Christ, that they would place their faith in Christ. And so let's just take a minute. We're gonna pray in just a minute. And those of you who are believers, I want you to begin praying right now. But if you're in this room right now and you wanna place your faith in Christ or you wanna know more about what that means, I'd like you, everybody's head is bowed and eyes are closed. I'd like you to just look up at me and let me see you. If you're interested in knowing more about that and if you're watching online, I want you to take the time to type into the chat room, I wanna know more. Or there'll be a link on the screen. Maybe you don't want to type into a chat room or maybe you don't have access to the chat room. There's a link on the screen where you can go to that link and you can say, basically, I want to know more. Tell me more about what it means to be a follower of Christ. If you're online, just type, I want to know more. And if you're in this room, just look at me right now if you want to know more about what it means to be a follower of Christ. Just look at me right now. Thank you. Thank you. In just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And as we sing, it's an opportunity for you to respond. And if you want to know more about what it means to be a follower of Christ, there'll be people standing down front waiting to answer your questions or to pray with you or to simply celebrate with you this life that God's given to us that we once were blind. And now we see. I see that. I see you. That's good. It's very good. Those of you who are online, there's someone who sees you and they'll interact with you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that today you would help us to see our lives the way you see us. That we would recognize the sin in our own heart and that we would repent of that sin. That we would trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and for everything that pertains to life and godliness. For those who looked at me in this room, I pray that they would come forward and get their questions answered. That they would place their faith in you and follow you wholeheartedly. For those who are watching online, I pray that they would simply reach out to someone and say, I want to know more. That they would connect and then for those of us who are believers, I pray that you would help us to recognize the platform that you've given to us. Help us to honor that platform by honoring you. Help us to pray for one another, to give thanks for one another, to serve one another, to speak for ourselves and just simply share the story of the way you've changed our hearts forever. Father, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.